This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gooden. I'm joined on his own this time by the Bobby Heenan of the Pod Mania family. It is Garth Jackson. How are you, Garth? Hello, hello. Uh, hi, Chris, indeed. Um, <laughs> <coughs> good, good, yes. Another you... week of lockdown, successfully managed. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of things have you been up to in this uh, sort of crazy, crazy time, Garth? Um, sadly, remote working oh. and uh, trying to manage the two feral children, <laughs> and which we've had daily uh, updates on on the group chat, which is always quite entertaining. Uh, playing uh, here comes the piano, PlayStation Two. Which again, <laughs> we had updates on on the group chat. He seemed very, very happy and, with himself. Uh, I joined you in the electric drum kit fandom. Yes, yes, yeah. we both purchased uh, electric drum, drum kits because clearly we now have too much money to know what to do with, uh, you know, with not getting out to, <laughs> to spend it on things like petrol. <laughs> um, it's been a weird time. It's been a really weird time. Um, so this week, obviously, we are going to review Dynamite. It's it's what we're doing. No Chris today. Um, he is, unfortunately, otherwise engaged. I'm not going to... I'm not going to do a Chris and tell you some ridiculous story as to where he is. It's He's just young and he's past his bedtime. That's pretty much all it is. <laughs> but it's just the two of us today, and we wanted to start. The original pairing, by the way, Garth, um, the OGs, um, we are the original mm-hmm. club of Podmania. We are the Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson of Podmania. Oh, yeah. Um, Damn right. I, th- I, think, I think you are... We're still here. Yeah, we are still here, which is a great, great segue into uh, what I wanted to talk about first. First things first, you're definitely gallows, aren't you? You strike me as a gallows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean, I I could try and do a um, Fink impression, R.I.P. Fink. Yeah, rest in peace, Fink. Um, um, I can try and do that. It's funny you mentioned the Gallows because I listen to the podcast today. They've just started doing a new podcast. Oh, um, is that what you were? Is that what you shop. posted in the group? Yeah. Ah. Um, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Is it those two? Because they do fake adverts. <laughs> it's those two, and like they get a guest. They had Robbie Eon. <laughs> really? Oh, nice. Yeah, talk, talking about uh, uh, Tiger King. Oh my God! Have you seen that show? 
Oh, mate, it's it's just the hickest of the hicks. It's just absolutely mental. They go into it because like because he says we'll only bring it up if it's got some sort of a wrestle link. So he's like, I'm watching this movie, like program. He's like, where's the wrestling link? Where? He's like, it's so carny. It's got to be linked to wrestling somewhere. He's like, and then I spotted three wrestlers in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Big Shaq was in it. Once he Shaquille O'Neal. Um, he was uh, buying and, uh, a tiger. He's in it, apparently. I didn't know that. Um, didn't know about that one. You, the, pod, the podcast is absolutely amazing. I'm gonna have to. Uh, um, I'm gonna have to check that but out. But he does it. He does a think impression there when he uh, introduced him. Uh, well, rest in peace, Fink. Obviously passed away earlier this year. Yep. Um, the greatest announcer in wrestling history. Of yeah, well. absolutely. I mean, someone posted his um, his Hall of Fame induction um, in two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just great. He's charismatic. Mm-hmm. He's he's got the he's got everyone eating out of the palm of his hand. The way he signs it off by going and no inductee into the W and it was just it was great um, he's going to be sorely missed and uh, yeah. he's such a part of like everything from the WWF in the 90s massive well, massive just think about like how many generations of wrestling fans he's been a constant in their fandom yeah absolutely it's meant it's crazy same as um, well obviously we're going to get on with uh, Mike Chioda whatever he's called Mike Chioda the referee, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's been there for thirty-one years. Thirty-one years, nineteen eighty-nine. That's 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 insanity, absolute <laughs> insanity. And uh, we should probably get on to that then. Um, yeah. Obviously, um, on Wednesday nights, the entire of the wrestling internet community, or the internet wrestling community, don't know why I called it the other way around, um, was brought to a just a, a screeching standstill as the WWE decided that they were going to release an absolute plethora of on-screen talent and producers. And it it was alarming because for around about an hour, it just seemed to be every time you refresh Twitter, someone else had gone. And, you know, you don't want to see anyone at all put out in this in this hot in these horrible circumstances um but earlier on in the week wwe had announced that they were going to despite government guidelines they were going to continue doing live shows um because they have been yeah. officially classed as um key, as a key uh, integral part of uh, the U.S. consciousness, which I think is how it was phrased in the press release, which is absolute fucking bollocks, absolute garbage. Um, yeah. uh, this, obviously, of course, after it's alleged that they paid $18.2 million in bribes to get that accolade from uh, from the government. And just after, of course, Vince McMahon was announced as a member of Donald Trump's new action group to restart the U.S. economy. Um, he was a busy bee was Vince, because he then had a two-minute conference call uh, with WWE as a whole and announced that they would have to be uh, cutting back their staff. And apparently from that point, um, members of the roster were contacted uh, individually and were then let go. So I'm sure everyone does know this list, but 
if we go through the list first, Garth, and then we'll talk about some of the decisions, some of the reaction videos, and basically how the WWE can then make us give a shit about SmackDown. Um, so those let go, this is on-screen talent. Um, Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, who'd been with the company for 14 years, Heath Slater, who'd been with the company, I think someone mentioned, for 19 uh, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Rusev, No Way Jose, Sarah Logan, Mike Canellis, Maria Canellis, who is currently on maternity leave, Aiden English, EC3, Leo Rush, Eric Young, Primo Cologne and Epico Cologne, Eric Rowan, and then from NXT, Diana Perazzo, Alexander Jaksic, MJ Jenkins, Josiah Williams, and then the sole referee to be well, that we know of at the moment to be released, of course, is Mike Kyoda, referee in the WWE since 1989. Um, as well as on-screen talent, they announced the firings slash um, furloughing. Um, it's not quite clear whether they furloughed these producers or let them go, um, but we have got Kurt Angle, uh, Lance Storm, who, of course, had shut his wrestling school just four weeks prior to come down to the WWF. Uh, Mike Rotunda, more commonly known as IRS. Sarah Stock, Dave Finley, or more commonly known as Fit Finley. Uh, Shane Helms, or Hurricane Helms. Pat Buck, Sean Devari, Scott Armstrong, and Lance Storm. Um, wow. Um, all done in the name of budget cuts. Um, basically, WWE announced that they were taking various measures to improve their cash flow, uh, reducing the salaries of executives and board members, um, basically decreasing talent expenses, third-party staffing, operating expenses. Um, this, of course, despite the fact that even without this, they were on course to have the most profitable year in their history, obviously coming off the back of that $500 million TV deal with Fox. Um, how the hell um, WWE then ran NXT just an hour after this happened is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling, Garth. It's funny because um, obviously there's the reaction videos out there and the Drake Maverick one comes to mind because he was in, he was on NXT. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know what happened with the match or anything, but his his video was obviously quite sort of heartfelt, and you could see his disappointment. Um, but it's like, how do you expect someone to go out and? I mean, he says he's going to give us all because basically it's a shop window. But how can you expect someone to go out and put their body on the line with no guarantee? It's fucking insane. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, again. You've got Maria Canellis, who is on maternity leave at the moment, which is I can't I can't quite believe that that's happened. Um, you've got Sarah Logan, who was on Raw on Monday. Um, Drake well, Maverick, of course. Like Rusev. Rusev's gone, but Lana's staying. Yeah. And say so what? Sarah I mean, Logan's I've... going, but the War Raiders are staying. It's obvious, like. Um... The Rusev thing is contractual, and I think that was probably coming anyway. Um, same with the revival, which was just a couple of days before, and a few others. But it's why 
why can't you furlough those people until all the shit blows over and then say, right, now you're free to go? Um, and it, it kind of like, as well as all the people that are leaving, the people that are left are now going to be in a situation where they're going to really going to say, right, no more expenses. There's definitely going to be no health care for them, which was what was sort of being banded around for a while. Mm. Um, there's no way that there's going to be any help for them, the ones who are actually still there. And it's like, and apparently there's st- load, like dozens of like back and stuff like that as well, like people from the offices and stuff who probably won't have the luxury of wages that the rest are getting. Like, I, I I, I doubt there's many wrestlers who are even there who are going to be on the bones of their asses now because they should. Well, I'm guessing they would have sort of built up a bit of cash, but still, it's just it's so crass and like like just like tasteless. It's 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 such a horrible thing to do in in this situation where you can't get another job. These people can't go work anywhere. And this is in the face of Ring of Honor, who people have publicly come out um, and said that Ring of Honor are actually still paying talent, sending out uh, checks to people who should have worked shows, um, you know, were booked for tapings, but you obviously couldn't do it because they've had to cancel. Um, Ring of Honor are still doing that. It's, you know, other companies are looking after their talent. When WWE are the richest most well-off wrestling company in the world. I mean, you look at their profit margins and everything else in between, there's not a chance that they wouldn't be able to ride through this without cutting these people <clears throat> at this point. I'm not saying that the WWE didn't Just need course. to get rid of their you know, their really bloated roster. I mean, for goodness sake, Rusev has been misused for years and years. I know Diana Perazzo was unhappy. EC3 was unhappy. God knows the last time we saw Zack Ryder on television. So for, for that, I can sort of, you know, well, I can't understand, you know, it's not the time to release Why? people. No, yeah. And in this, just this amount, it's just, it's and it's such a weird collection of people the oc of course took place you know took part in the main event of the first night of wrestlemania they were a really close group with aj styles aj styles has now got to go to work without his two best friends as you mentioned lana without a husband um the war raiders um i think it's eric i never know which one raymond Rowe without sarah logan um you know and the just the reaction of talent who are left. I know Sasha Banks tweeted out something. Bray Wyatt just tweeted out the word yuck, which mm-hmm. I don't think there I mean, is anything dad, better. So. <laughs> well, yeah, it's his dad. Rowan is his friend. Um, you know, I'm sure that he was close to all these other people. I just, I find it, it's so heartless. It's so tactless. And then to keep Brock Lesnar on 10 million a year, Cain Velasquez on goodness knows how many millions a year, Goldberg, Goldberg, who has got significant backstage heat after refusing to lose in Saudi Arabia on however many millions a year. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, Shane McMahon is on $1.2 million a year. What is he doing in the company? It's the fact that these releases can't really be saving them that much money in the grand scheme of things, whereas 
like all obviously the shareholders uh, want to protect their profit. That's all it is. But sure you on the other side of it, you look at it and go, right, well, we've made how many, however many million from these Saudi shows, which the fans aren't happy about. Our fans can't go to see them, and the wrestlers don't want to wrestle them. So why don't we pay that back in kind and use the money we make for that as a reserve to pay these people? And it's just, I mean, we don't know the details of it. I mean, is there a is it redundancy? Are they paying them off, or is it basically just you being severed? You're done. Um, but it's just just wrong. And like I say, it's 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 really bad taste. It's a bad taste in a lot of wrestling fans. The wrestling fans are clued up now, and I think this is gonna, there's gonna be a backlash with WWE with this. Oh, massive! The thing is, what the worst part of it is, is these are the these are the wrestlers that WWE went out to get just so nobody else could have them, and now the surplus to requirements to get rid of them, and then they'll go on and do. I mean, most of those people like EC3, obviously Rusev. Um, the revival. All those people are like, mid, like top, top and mid to top top stars in most places. And they'll go on to be big big people, and then WWE will come knocking again, and it's just like fuck you. <laughs> like, right? Just disgusting. Obviously, we don't we don't profess to know, you know, the inner workings of the WWE or you know why this has happened but on the face of it it just it makes no sense we've already mentioned the television deals i know people are talking about how um you know there's there's discrepancies with um the contracts and things like that that's bullshit i mean don't get me wrong yeah the wwe are going to feel it but are you telling me that cutting aid in english is going to affect your profit margin in any way whatsoever it's it's absolutely disgusting and you're right People like, you know, um, Rusev, EC3, The Revival, Gallows and Anderson, um, Diana Perrazzo, um, even <coughs> Leo Rush are going to be, you know, they're going to be big stars in whatever company they end up in. Um, you know, the Colognes, for example, I know that their dad, I can't remember if it's their dad or their uncle, owns the biggest wrestling promotion in Puerto Rico. So, you know, yeah, they're going to be fine. But these lesser known people, like, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Heath Slater. It's it's just it's awful. Absolutely awful. And I think go on. I think with Zach, I think with Zack Ryder, I honestly think if wherever he turns up he's gonna get such a pop. Because people he's one of those people that people love regardless of whether he's good in the ring. Because he's charismatic and he's a nice guy and he's a fan and people identify like when he won that Intercontinental Championship everybody went absolutely mad because it was kind of like them because he's such a big it's a mark <laughs> and he's and he comes across like as well though he's still got that sort of enthusiasm of the fandom and like I, I hope he gets a job one of the big ones and I hope he does really well and same with like Kurt Hawkins and people like that it's like those people slogged out the job as well for so long Let's see what they can do. Which is on the which is a plus on the back of all this shit is these people are going to go out and be able be able to work that they haven't been able to work for for years, and that's kind of exciting. But hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Absolutely, and obviously, we don't know how long this this thing is going to take a hold. But 
watching some of those reaction videos and you know reading some of the tweets it it was heartbreaking Jerry Maverick was it was it was heartbreaking to watch this man who posted his reaction presumably minutes after he got the phone call and the man was in pieces clearly the only thing he'd ever wanted to do was wrestle in the WWE and he was thanking the company and saying how thank you for giving me the opportunity to wrestle these last three matches they've given him the opportunity to wrestle these three matches making it sound like they're doing him a service but you know, and yeah. he's you know it was heartbreaking reading Zack Ryder's tweet where he just posted that picture of him winning the Intercontinental mm-hmm. Championship at Mania 32. Um, Mike Kanellis, who apparently is the most humble and nice bloke in the entire <laughs> world, in the entire world. Um, no way, Jose, who posted this beautifully heartfelt and again humble promo and then you've got people like Heath Slater and that was the hardest one to read for me Heath Slater said I know everyone wants my instant reaction but after being with this company for 19 years I need slightly longer than a couple of hours to be able to come up with a response and it's just it's these are real people who are now they're going to be living day to day for a certain amount of time because we don't know when the independents are going to be running again. I mean, Gallows and Anderson are presumably heading to New Japan, but New Japan aren't running... They will presumably now not run dates until... I can't see them running anything until August. Mm -hmm. Rowan has just come off the the massive storyline. I say massive, it was a spy, but he was on TV. I mean, look at um, Kurt Hawkins was really good when he says there last time I left I made a bit of a joke about it but this time it doesn't feel right because of all the people losing their jobs and the current sort of climate and I think a lot of the wrestlers which has been good and the same but like Ian English video was really good where he says we'll be okay but it's the people who worked in the offices and stuff like that who they'll probably get going and get jobs but they're not going to have the security I bet that these wrestlers probably have and again, like I say, I just hope hope this turns into a positive and all these people go on to do much bigger and better things. I will echo Adam Pacitti's sentiments by saying anyone who was using the situation on Wednesday to go, why is such and such still in the company and such and such? If you're yeah, wishing yeah. anyone to be fired, if you're wishing anyone to be let go, in especially at this time. You should never be doing that anyway because you are a human and you should have some modicum of decency. But if you're doing that, especially at this time, you're a cunt and you deserve to fuck off. You know, no one should be wishing anything but the best wishes on anyone during this time. And I just... I find it baffling. Like, Mike Canales and Maria Canales... um, Mike Canales had asked for his release... I think nine weeks ago. And then have terminated it. He's just had a new child. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, presumably (coughs) they're going to be okay. They were both on WWE's payroll, and I think, you know, they were, were, you know, they weren't badly paid. Um, And I I assume they are going to get jobs, but it just, I don't know. They were ruthless, the WWE, needlessly so. And it's just. Absolutely disgusting. Well, someone was saying that um, it, when you look at it, it's uh, mostly all raw talent and a few NXT, and they reckon that haven't even they're not finished. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be Cause uh, my ending. So that's absolutely. Smackdown, 
SmackDown gets put out tonight, do they then do the SmackDown call tomorrow? I mean, yeah. Are there any SmackDown superstars in there? I don't think so. Um, no, Rowan had just gone to Raw. Um, I, think I think they've been savvy with it. I think weird. Yeah. God knows who EC3 was part of at this point. I can't remember the last time he was on TV. Um, hopefully, it's a blessing in disguise for these people. And like you said, Garth, I'm going to echo your sentiments here. And hopefully these people go on and be, you know, basically they drew McIntyre the shit out of it. And then the WWE yeah. come, knock on the door, and they literally give them the finger and tell them to fuck off. Make more money for t-shirt sales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, let's face it, Rusev is going to be the biggest thing whatever company he goes to. Oh, yeah. Um, Massive. But yeah, fingers crossed... I, never thought, I didn't think I was going to say this. Fingers crossed, that's it. Um, but if they go through another call, and like you say, Garth, it does look like it's the majority. Um, w, um, main roster Raw. Um, and I imagine there are more NXT cuts as well that just haven't been announced. Um, but yeah, I I certainly hope that that is it. Because the WWE are... They're going to run the risk of a all-out riot backstage because... <laughs> If, ru- if news rumours are to be believed, it wasn't a happy place backstage anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be an even worse place right now. Anyway, that's a lot of negativity to start a podcast, Garth. Um, for 24 minutes of the podcast, all we've done is rant about the WWE's <laughs> shortcomings. Uh, let's get on to AEW, which is usually a really refreshing you know, jab in the arm in the wrestling sense, especially when it comes to the alternative being WWE. Um, We're looking at the 15th of April episode, um, and I'm not going to lie, Garth, it's the drabbest episode I've seen in a while. Yeah, I think they're they're struggling to keep it sort of interesting with what's obviously reduced roster due to this whole thing. Um, I think overall though I mean I think what what they're doing where they're trying to keep as much of the sort of vignettes and stuff away from the ring so they're not having in ring stuff that's been really good and it's really smart I like the videos but the actual matches seem just like an afterthought like they're just grabbing whoever they can get and saying just go and do a match yeah and I think that's why we see people like you know Sugar D on this card. Um, Mm -hmm. We had, you know, three squash matches on this card. And I understand that, you know, AEW have got this contract with TNT and, you know, they need to put out content to, um, to answer to that contract. But I just, I find it really difficult sometimes to enjoy the wrestling, knowing that these people are wrestling each other, touching each other, sweating Mm -hmm. on, each other and you know ultimately they need to be thinking about themselves and keeping themselves safe um plus i mean they're running they're running dark the night before why don't they just combine the shows and have all the wrestlers who are on dark on dynamite and just cancel dark for however long because how many people like realistically watch dark i think the thing that really 
The thing that really hit home, we're going to be jumping all about on this review, but I want to start with the fact that W um, the AW have announced that they will be running Double or Nothing on the 23rd of May. Um, it's no longer at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. They haven't announced a venue, which makes me think it's going to be in the same place as Dynamite. Um, in my opinion... Either that or Florida. Or Florida, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because apparently any anything fucking goes in Florida at the moment. Um this worries me. I don't think there needs to be a pay-per-view at this point. AEW don't need to be putting out a pay-per-view at this point. It's just... We need to be Especially wrapping this up. Especially if they haven't got their full roster. Exactly. I mean, like... the chances of the books being there is very, very slim. Obviously, Nick has just had a, you know, just had a baby, so he's mm. not going to be there. Um, Pac's not going to be there. Pack's not going to be there, no. Um, there's... I haven't seen um, what you call them for ages. Um, Page. I haven't seen Page. We haven't seen the Lucha Brothers. Um, we haven't seen a lot of the main card talent. Um, to then have a pay per view where, you know, an, another empty arena pay per view, I'm, I just, I don't, I don't care to be perfectly mm. honest. And I know that's really pathetic and selfish. I don't care, but I, just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I'm not comfortable with the whole, with the way AEW have dealt with it anyway, because I don't like the fact that there's people at ringside. I don't like the pe fact that people get close to each other and then there's some people touching elbows and then Jimmy Havoc is shoving his hand down people's throats. Um, there seems to be such massive discrepancies. Um which ironically is something I thought WWE was doing quite well until they, you know, spaffed it all up the wall by announcing they were going to carry on going live, despite the fact that they were able to, you know, get absolutely loads of tapes in the can ready for money in the bank. Let's delve into this card, though, Garth. Um, we start with um, a Jake Roberts promo, um, another Jake Roberts promo who seems to just be absolutely killing this. And this week, I think, was his yeah. best one yet really, really, really put Archer over as this just unbeatable monster. Really put over the TNT Championship as well, which I thought was good. Yeah. Talks about how it's a bone and, you know, Archer is a dog. Do you really want to be the person that comes in between the dog and his bone? Um, he does put over Colt Cabana, says he's noted some of the stuff that he's doing and it's good, but you're not good enough. Um, and then he ends it by I saying... I it when he's... Yeah. I was just going to say it. <laughs> Go on. Listen to me or regret it. Yeah. It's he was he was brilliant here. And I've I've said to Chris before that Jake Roberts is fantastic. I mean, Jake Roberts has always been able to cut a fascinating, invigorating promo, but <laughs> a lot of his AEW ones have focused more about maybe putting himself over more than Lance Archer. <laughs> um but this solely focused on Archer, solely focused solely focused on putting him over as this absolute behemoth this person who went to japan and absolutely dominated um which i don't think I is entirely true but i love how he made it sound like he was forced to go to japan yeah the word exiled and, brilliant yeah. yeah absolutely um so yeah jay roberts fair, though, absolutely killed it again the, the follow-up video was really good the cabana one yeah I absolutely thought it was a really good video I thought it paralleled the Jake Roberts one quite well because Cole Cabana played... We then got um, the Cole Cabana video package and he played off 
Jake's promo and said, well, Lance Archer's been exiled to Japan to dominate. I've been dominating in Japan, China, India, Austria, all these places for 15 years. And, you know, he talks about his undefeated AEW career, how he is, you know, an underdog and he's sick of being the underdog all his life. And you forget sometimes amidst the comedy of Colt Cabana's character that he is a really good wrestler. (laughs) And um, And he even had the start in the video, he says, like, yeah, like, maybe I do go over the top or I'm a bit too cosmetic sort of thing. And what I like is the fact that he was standing up for himself, but I am a good wrestler. Yeah, yeah, he is. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it will be interesting to see if if we didn't have the global pandemic we've currently got, it would be interesting to see if Colt Cabana did touch this bracket. Um, mm-hmm. But he seems to be making the most of it. And it's it was, it was a really, really good video package. And both of them were really, really good ways to open the show. Um, we cut to the arena and we've got Skiavone and Jericho on commentary <laughs> again. Clearly... Uh, Reunited after their uh, after their yeah. critically acclaimed exploits last week. Um, I know you were a massive Jericho fan. with that Jericho with that jacket and his leather gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. He was uh, he was putting over a lot of uh, talent on how they dressed. He was especially impressed with Penelope Ford's boots. Mm. Um, so we cut to our first match, and it's the TNT Championship Tournament quarter final match between Lance Archer and Colt Cabana. Um, Garth, opinion on this match? Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a good, fun match. Um, I liked how it was quite an aggressive start by Archer and not really selling anything, especially the chops. Mm. Um, I liked how Alcabana just seemed to be doing everything he could and not really making a dent. dent. Then obviously he got Got his sort of Hurricane Rana thing, and um, I just thought I thought both of them came out of this match really well. Obviously, like Archie won in the end, um, but I really thought Colt Cabana like had a good showing against this monster who was sort of being sort of pushed right to the, the sort of top of this tournament. I thought it was like a just nice, perfect opening match, a really good fun match. Yeah. We seem to be building towards Lance Archer and Cody in the tournament final. Um, I think that's where storyline will take us next, um, which you know by by default makes Lance Archer the favourite, in my opinion. I think Colt Cabana, the the book, whoever booked this match had to tread the line between still making Lance Archer look dominant, but not ruin Colt Cabana's credibility. And I think they did a really yeah. good job here. You know, Lance Archer, no mm-hmm. selling to start off with, but realizing that Colt was a little bit more, you know, Marco stunt who he murdered a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they would have to pull a little bit more out. Um, I thought they did a really good job with that. I love the fact that Jericho referenced Monty Brown of Impact fame <laughs> with the pounce, which I thought was really, <laughs> that was amazing. I laughed at that. <laughs> I don't know if it's called that. I'm just going to call it that. Do you know what I'm going to call it? Skiavone? Whatever Lance Archer tells me to call it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Pounce and Blackout finishes it. Lance Archer defeats Colt Cabana at 11 minutes 20 via pinfall. I can't remember if it was this week, the last week where he says, uh, 
blackout and he's like, that's the best thing uh, the Scorpions ever did. It's <laughs> a Scorpions album. I think it was last <laughs> week, because that was where he went through this ridiculous classic rock referencing feed. Spent like the middle <laughs> half an hour of the show just referencing everything, because he mentioned Kiss, I'm sure he mentioned Metallica, he mentioned Scorpions. Yeah, just... <laughs> Clearly, it was Jericho just putting his cock out on the table going, these are all the hard rock things I know. Yeah, he kind of toned it down this week. He was a lot more sort of calling the actual match than last time. Yeah, far more I mean, subdued. Still, still funny, still really funny, but he seemed a lot more play-by-play uh, play more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was far less... I, I felt last time... Or last week, even though the pairing of uh, Shivani and Jericho was great, I felt sometimes Jericho overpower—sorry, overpowered uh, Shivani at times. Whereas here, I felt they were more on an even keel, and I thought that was—I thought that was good. Um, but yeah, a really, really good match. The right person won, um, and I think Cabana still comes out of this. You know, yes, he's lost his first AEW match, but I think he comes out of this still looking relatively strong, or as strong as you can look. Um, yeah. in defeat um, we cut to Britt Baker who is a dentist apparently um, <laughs> in her dentist surgery um, talks about how to be a role model uh, she's going through the rules of being a role model of which apparently there is only one um, and she says that she's the face of the division and a true winner moans about Sheeda and yeah it was it was it was there Garth think is the best thing to describe yeah, this promo. It, it was all right. It was, <clears throat> it was just story progression. It was all right. It was, they wanted me to sort of highlight the fact that there are nose smashed in, um, which to be fair, it's hard to miss. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought it was all right. It was yeah, just fun little vignette. Yeah, and I think the next bit was really good though. Then I oh, the next bit or one of the next bits anyway was my favourite part of the entire show, and uh, we'll get into that Taz. in a minute. It was Taz, fucking great. Um, yeah, Baker signs off by saying she's the hero we need. Um, she's in action later on <laughs> against a jobber. Um, if she's the hero we need, I f- I worry for humanity. Um. Throughout the night, they cut to different people um, to hype the Hager versus Moxley match, which I think is a good um, a good way of doing it because the previous two shows we've had these fantastic vignettes showing Hager training and Moxley training, showing the juxtaposition between the two, Moxley being the untrained <coughs> fighter and Hager being the you know the cold, cynical, the cerebral assassin. Sorry, Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I thought that was I thought that was really really good. However, here they've got um, they, give it, they give it like a sort of real fight feel where it was sort of people giving their opinions and it was like a real fight. Yeah, quite, quite well done. Absolutely, and that's why I think it was really good how they did it. They had people from Bellator, they had people from AEW, they had a random comedian who go on and talk about you know who they think is going to win, and again. They really, really hype the fact that Hager is unbeaten in Bellator. And I think it brought the air of legitimacy to the threat that Moxley was facing. Um, and then we cut to Taz, who delivers the best bit 
of this week's Dynamite. Garth, go through what Taz was talking about. I just love the fact that he, he goes so deep on the, the analysis of Hagar's sort of finisher, like his choke, and he's going through the doesn't look where his arm is, blah, blah, blah. And like, it, again, it's, it's legitimizing um, Jake Hagar totally and utterly making him come across as just having a submission and a killing machine. And it's just, Taz is really good at that, making stuff sound legit. Because he sounds like a badass as well, and I just thought it was so well done. It was like sort of perfect for this sort of big fight feel. Really, really good. Yeah, and it was really well produced, as you know, we said at the head of the show that all of the backstage um, segments, everything that they've done in that area has been fantastic. Really well produced. They've taken the time with it, and this was this was no exception. Um, especially for those, you know. It was different than just showing Hager choking out his Bellator victims or choking out Dustin Rhodes or choking out Moxley, you know, which we've seen. We saw last week, we saw the week before that. This, with the actual, you know, the analysis of the different hand grips, the difference of, you know, sitting down, lying down, how Moxley cannot let Hager get to the mat because if he gets to the mat, it's game over, showing the different hand grips and highlighting them. It was a really, really, really good promo and i really really enjoyed it and I, I like that about this it does seem more like a fight like you mentioned and i think it, it, it legitimized it it makes us want more taz on dynamite <laughs> absolutely and that is something that i will go on to talk about in a little bit so we <laughs> then cut to our second match which is Britt baker destroying a jobber uh the first of three <laughs> jobber matches that we get tonight um cassandra golden um who is making her aew nope. um debut i think no no <laughs> she's she's one and oh she lost on dark she's making a dynamite debut uh tonight um she gets absolutely no offense in at all um sells the first she super kick wrong. Head absolutely taken off she gets her head taken off. She goes down holding the wrong shin when Britt Baker kicks her on the shin. Um, and then uh, Britt Baker gets her to bite the rope and basically curb stomps her face for the victory like she did with um, Yuki Sakazaki. Is it Sakazaki? The genie girl. The magic girl. Uh, yes. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, it only lasted one minute and ten seconds. Um it was just done to put Britt Baker over. Have you got anything to add about this match? Yeah. No, just, just to keep Britt Baker sort of on the show. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, we get some more... But oh, go on. Next is... <laughs> oh, just... <laughs> God. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you talk about this in a sec. I'll let you introduce this. It was... I, I still <laughs> don't know what to make of this. Um... We get that aforementioned video package <laughs> hyping, uh, sort of talking about AEW, and then obviously we talk about the fact that Double or Nothing will happen on May 23rd. They mask <laughs> the fact that it's no longer the MGM Grand. Um, they don't give a venue. And yeah, we we now know that a pay-per-view is going to happen, and me and Garth have already given our thoughts on that. This was eclipsed, though, by whatever the fuck this was, Garth. <laughs> this is, you can tell this is 100% from the mind of Chris Jericho. Because nobody else on that roster would even have a clue who the fucking Brady Bunch was. 
and and it's the <laughs> the, the bubbly bunch, and it's just honestly, I I can watch this shit all day. Like it's a, just from the YouTube channel. Is I watch it all day. It's basically like Papa Jericho talking to all the other AEW uh, in a circle, and it's like Santana. Uh, sorry, Ortiz is sitting in his little kiddie bedroom <laughs> on his little chair. Sammy Guevara's working out, like, like giving the, like, <laughs> kicking off saying that he is a real Spanish guy, but then just saying, like, unas dos tres, 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 <laughs> put you in the bag. And the, the best bit of it all is where Jericho's in the kitchen making an egg, and then he goes to, he pours the juice and spills it everywhere, but then when it cuts back, it's, like, it does a close-up of him pouring the juice, and he spills it everywhere, and then it cuts to a wide shot, and he's, there's nothing there, and they've obviously done it on purpose. It just looks, and, uh, and just, I thought honestly, I was I was laughing my head off. I just couldn't stop laughing because it's just you can tell they just. On, I mean, I forgot the best part. It cuts to uh, Sammy Hagar, and he's like talking about, yeah, gonna uh, beat him down. He's like he's sitting there with his kids. He's like kids, here what? They cover their heads. He's like, I'm gonna beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and. It, yeah, and Jake Hager, <coughs> let's face it, is not the most charismatic of people. Um, it came across really, really well. Um, it was, it, it was just you're right. If it, it's such a Matt Hardy thing to do. Yeah, it it, it wouldn't have been out of place on you know the elite deletion or whatever they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was utterly utterly bizarre. Um, literally going this through one every member. Ones. Yeah, this is one of those ones where you can tell they're just sitting down like, what if we did this? Oh, yeah, what if we did this? What happens if we did this? Yeah, let's just do it. It's just one of them things, like a spontaneous thing. It was bizarre, bizarre. <coughs> the constant references to Cody as Cody Exotic and how... Oh, honestly, <laughs> every time he says it, I laugh my head off. And then what did he say? <laughs> um, we haven't seen Adam Page for a while. Do you reckon uh, Cody Exotic's fed him to Pharaoh? <laughs> Is he putting through a grinder and fed him the feral? <laughs> <laughs> um and then we that sort of ends and Jericho says I'm gonna have to go, it's my assistant, and yells at them that he needs toilet paper. Um <laughs> it's just oh, it's just And then obviously but the way they framed it, it was exactly like the introduction to the Brady Bunch with them all in different windows yeah. and looking at each other. You've got Ortiz with that comb in his beard. It's <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I still don't know if it was good or absolutely fucking dreadful, but to be fair, think, that's how I, I felt think, about the Matt Hardy stuff to start off with. I think what it is, it's the fact that you can tell that they're having such a good time that it it reflects on you. I think that's what it is. You can tell that they're just having an absolute blast doing it. Yeah, they, they're clearly having an absolute riot doing it, which is good. But, uh, yeah, just, it was so out of left field. I was like, when they were introducing, like, the different segments and, you know, we've got Sammy Guevara in action, we've got Kip Sabian versus um, Chucky T, and the introduction of the Bubbly Bunch. I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Just, oh, God. Anyway, uh, we got to our second match. uh, Sorry, third match, our second squash match. Uh, with Sammy Guevara taking on Sugar D, or as Jericho keeps referring to him, Pineapple Pete. 
uh, comes in wearing the pineapple gear. Um, another another squash match, um, literally an outing for Sammy Guevara uh, before his match with Darby Allen. Um, Guevara looks great here, really, really good. I was going to say, like, I, th- I thought it was, it, it was a for a squash match. It was good. Guevara, like you say, like you say, Guevara comes across as not just like an athletic guy, but quite a hard hitter in the ring for his size. Like that Larry that does, like proper flaws the guy. Um and this this was so good. I think what made this better was Jericho's like obvious obvious bias uh to his prodigy. <laughs> and um and he kept like, he, he called him Shub D. He called him Shub Knight. Yes, at one did. point, and I was like, "Shit, night! Why do I know that from?" And it's like he used to be the owner of Death Row Records. Oh, did like he? The rap, the rap guy. Uh-huh. Ah, did not know. I knew he did the name, but I didn't know that was where he was from. Mm. Um, got. Uh, I was like, oh. I did like. I did like the end of the match. I thought it was quite good to set up what they're setting up. Yeah, with the with, uh, with the call Allen. out of Darby Allen. Yeah, absolutely. What do yeah. you think of Kavara's finish? I thought it was right. Yeah, sort of a sort of a reverse GTS. Yeah, and then obviously, like Darby Allen comes down, <laughs> Sammy Guevara runs away, and then did, did you notice when he was walking up the ramp? Um, Jarrett called Sammy Guevara instead of calling him the Spanish God, he called him the Sex God. <laughs> <laughs> He spent a lot like, of that match sex? saying how sexy Sammy Guevara was. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just call him sex god? <laughs> Shivani just looks at him throughout. You can just imagine him, him looking at him all the way through this, just going, what the fuck do I even say to this? Yeah. Just <laughs> stay on point, Jericho. What are you talking about, you crazy bastard? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we then get two more... Um, entrances into the who is going to win out of Hager and Mox. Um, John McCarthy of Bellator. Um, is he is he a Bellator? Or is he the comedian? I can't remember. I'm just reading John McCarthy. Um, John McCarthy picks Hager, and then Excalibur goes on to pick Mox, displaying his lovely array of nerdy board games behind him. I noticed that. <laughs> I was like, I've got a mate who lives in London, and it's just like his living room. And it depressed me that I'd played yeah. two of those games. I was like, oh god. <laughs> that Star Wars one takes fucking ages. Um, that might. <laughs> um, just like the second film, trying to get through that film, fucking hell. And by second film, I mean yeah. the second of the new ones. So what was the what was the eighth one? Last of um, the Jedi. The Last Jedi. Oh my god! Oh, Absolute. <laughs> Crock of horseshit. Um, I've never asked you, Garth, about what you think of Kip Sabian. <clears throat> um, not a lot because he's not. I mean, I'm guessing he's good in the ring. What I've seen, he's just quite solid. But it's just, he's just very like sort of. He's just there. There's nothing really that stands out about him. He's like a sort of. Um, like a Chinese rip-off version of Finn Balor. Chinese knockoff Balor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, just, I get I just, that. I don't say anything special about it. Yeah. 
Um, I love the fact that you're still calling out Finn Balor, despite the fact that it's been two years, Garth. Now you need you need to you need to knock this feud on with Finn Balor on the head now, mate. Um, yeah, they seem to be giving him this persona as you know, super bad Kip Sabian. He's a heel. Oh look, he's with Penelope Ford. He's such a heel. He's wearing sunglasses. He's such a heel. But then he talks, and he's got the poshest British accent, which just doesn't go with it. Obviously, British people can play heels. You look at the best. You look at William Regal, and he was sensational. Would it have worked if he was a really cool heel? No, of course it fucking wouldn't. And I don't think no. it works with Kip Sabian. You're right. He's he's good in the ring. I think I don't think there's anyone in AEW who's bad in the who's bad in the ring. Britt Baker aside, um, so. Just to be good in the ring isn't enough, especially when you're in, you know, what is the second biggest company in America. And I think Kip Sabian gets lost in the shuffle because he is so bland. I mean, he's the heel here, and he was so overshadowed by A, Penelope Ford, B, Orange Cassidy, and C, Chuck Taylor. He was even overshadowed by Jimmy Havoc, who wasn't in the fucking match. Yeah, I noticed that. Um... I mean, don't get me wrong, this match was great. You know, it was a really, really solid match, probably second best match of the night, which, you know, when you consider it's between Kip Sabian and Chuck Taylor, doesn't say a lot for this show. Um, but the pace was good, but I don't know, I feel, I find it so hard to give two shits about Kip Sabian. Yeah. I just, especially in a match like this with Chuck Taylor, who, Chuck Taylor, who is a tag team wrestler, predominantly in the, the next so like what's the end obviously this is I'm guessing they're setting something up with um well I don't know are they setting something up with um Jimmy Havoc it it looked like they were setting up a tag team between Sabian and Havoc um that certainly seemed to be where they were heading with it um I know that obviously to be fair I think go on that, I think that could help them both because Havoc's hardly ever on and Sabian needs somebody else, I think. And obviously, they're, they're both being sort of British. Well, if they were a tag team, we'll probably play into it at some point. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't really care, which is pretty bad. No, I, I agree. I really do not give a shit. Um... Again, the, the match... This match got overshadowed by, like, say, Cassidy, etc. But and Jericho, because Jericho was hilarious during this match. Um, yeah. like stuff like, uh, was it? Uh, look, look at that idiot, Orange Cassidy's like, who wears a shirt of themselves? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Shivani's like, well, I do. <laughs> and Jericho's like, um, and then he's like, um, yeah, go on. And he's like, then when he starts going off about um, how uh, Vanguard One was spying on him in the in his hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's when he's talking about uh, Penelope Ford's leather pants, and he was like, "We yeah. share a love of leather pants, you know. I wear mine all the time, <laughs> including in the hot tub, Shivani." Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Shivani's like, "Why do you do that?" He's like, "Why not?" <laughs> <laughs> what else is Le Champion supposed to wear? It's what was it? Uh, look at that foot I've written down. Uh, look at that goofy smile. Chucky T's the biggest heel in the match. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes this guy? 
Oh, it was great. That, that stuff kept, that actually kept us interested in the match to see what we was going to see. Yeah, because it was a fair, it was standard. <laughs> you know, it was good, but you know, it was it was nothing. It was nothing out of the ordinary. Um, Kip eventually wins with help from Penelope Ford, and Jimmy Havoc takes Orange Cassidy out. But the most entertaining part of the match for me was Penelope Ford attempting to seduce um, Chuck Taylor. Um, Chuck Taylor going, no, 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 turning round. And then when he turns back round, Kip Sabian turns round, and Orange Cassidy is taking off his jacket seductively, trying to do yeah. the same thing, which I thought was very, very funny. Um but yeah, yeah, Jimmy Havoc attacks Orange Cassidy, lays him out. <coughs> uh, Penelope Ford attacks Chucky T and Kip Sabian rolls him up, giving him a win ready for his tournament match against Dustin Rhodes next week. Um, it was also announced then that Jimmy Havoc um, is going to be taking on Orange Cassidy next week in singles action, uh, meaning that next week we've got Kip Sabian versus Dustin Rhodes, uh, Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara, both in the TNT Championship tournament, and Orange Cassidy versus Jimmy Havoc, shaping up to be quite a decent show. Um, quite good, yeah. Who do you have winning the Kip Sabian Dustin Rhodes match? Um, who 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 did the go to face after that? Um, the winner of that match will go on to face Lance Archer. I'm going to say Dustin Rhodes and then Lance Archer is going to absolutely destroy Cody's daughter to set up more of the story. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Makes makes so much storyline sense that and Cody has to come down. Good story, bro. Yeah. yeah, to come down to save his brother as Lance Archer literally eviscerates this poor old man. It's Yeah, it's yeah. great. Makes perfect sense. Um, We then get another... High package for Mox versus Hager, and we then cut to Justin Law in the ring. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really know what to say about Justin Law, to be perfectly honest. <clears throat> he couldn't Just look more generic if he tried. Yeah. The thing is, you know, like, when you play like WWE 2K20 whatever, and you'll start off with like a builder wrestler and they're pretty sort of just normal. <laughs> you look like you look like a human. This guy looked like a creator wrestler from like the N64 <laughs> with really shit attire and like an odd shaped body. You have to work. You have to work <laughs> through a couple of matches before you can unlock the decent pants. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. I love the fact that Sean Spears, as he came down, just looked so amused at Justin. <laughs> just looked at him and went, "This guy, are you being serious? This guy." That's the way he says it. Gets down his knees, like, "Come on, I'll give you a fighting chance." And then he like rolls him up. <laughs> <laughs> and Spears is like, "You counted too quickly." Um, I love how uh, Jericho, like, is he's not really like heel because he's. He keeps saying, like, oh, I love Canada. I hate Niagara Falls. It's where Sean Spears is from. So <laughs> like, why would I want to go and stand there and look at all that water? <laughs> um, yeah, eventually Sean Spears absolutely batters this poor bloke. Um, and C4 finishes it for the win, giving Sean Spears a win in two minutes and 15 seconds. Doesn't even take his shirt <coughs> off. Um, just, just... 
he walked down, bless him, Justin Lloyd. It was him making his AEW uh, debut, not uh, Cassandra Golden. And I just looked at him and went, oh, he's going to get the ever-loving shit beaten out of him, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> God. Poor bloke. Um, but yeah, there we are. Rebound win for Sean Spears, and he goes on to the next week. Um, we then get advertised the matches for next week, week, which includes, as I've already mentioned, Casty versus Havoc, Allen versus Guevara, Sabian versus Dustin Rhodes, Kenny Omega will also be in action. At this point, we get our final hype for the No Holds Barred match for Moxley and Jake Hager, and Jim Ross takes over on commentary for this match. Um, yeah, that was odd. Uh, was he doing that from home or something? This match was clearly it's... taped when they were still in Florida because it was a completely yeah. different arena. It was it was the Jacksonville mm. set. Um, so whether whether they did that when he was still going to Jacksonville, because obviously he did a couple of the no, uh, the empty arena shows. So whether they did it then or whether they did the match and then he recorded his commentary afterwards, I I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's the No Bolt Holds Barred Empty Arena match for the AEW World title. It's something they've been hyping for three or four weeks, doing an exceptional job of managing to build Hager as a legitimate threat to Moxley's championship. And in a word, Garth, pleh. <laughs> it was I think if you were going to have a match with this stipulation a no holds barred match there needs to be some manner of reaction this would have been much better if it had just been a no holds barred match and you got the wrestlers around the outside of the ring if you're, if you're intent on doing that this would have been the perfect match because everything just echoed and it just it was yeah. so difficult to get into the match when you can hear Jake Hager's fucking shoes squeaking and it was like they, they weren't even like sort of talking to each other or doing any sort of um, like any anything like it was just silent and this is something that especially when they go into like outside and sort of fighting around the arena, it just became really boring because there was no fans, there was obviously there was, there was nothing for them to play off. And I actually thought the match started quite well when they were doing all like the sort of catch wrestling and they were feeling each other out. As soon as I went outside, I was just like, just like, oh, this is, I honestly think like what they should have done with this match is <clears throat> maybe he's had it like Jake Hagar on his way to the ring or something and he gets jumped in the bottom like what Mox says at the end go out and do it on the car park and then just have a brawl where you've got stuff to play off you can have cars or you can have whatever but I just don't think it worked I think the fact there was no crowd killed this match there was a couple of things that killed it for me I agree with you whenever they went outside the ring it stagnated and I think a lot of that is, you know, neither of them are particularly captivating wrestlers. You know, even John Marksley, who, you know, he is a hardcore guy. Even his matches in New Japan, he's a hardcore guy. He needs someone who is captivating, like, you know, Minoru Suzuki or, you know, even Lance Archer. 
Um, he either needs a short mm. match or someone who is a good worker to you know really put him over to- over the top. I don't think Hager is that. Um, I think Hager was a little bit exposed with the length of the Dustin match at Revolution, and I think that showed mm. even more here because he was blowing after 20 minutes, was absolutely blowing. And Moxley, obviously, was no better. But more than that, for me, it wasn't necessarily in-ring. It was the fact that you chose this match to only have one commentator. And with it being an empty arena match, there was so much silence. And, you know, a colour commentator, whether that is... Taz, who they'd shown has a working understanding of, you know, MMA and catch wrestling and all of that, and judo and all these different things that, you know, are going to factor into the match, to then only have JR, who, you know, is a legendary commentator, is, you know, the sound of my childhood, but does get exposed nowadays, and, you know, to expect him to do this show on his own, to do colour and nah. call the match. It was a lot to expect JR to do. Definitely should have um, had someone else they call commentating. Because, like you say, I mean, there's a point where JR went, the, oh, he was pulling up his knee pads. Well, who fucking cares? Like, that's not, that's not even play by play. It's, it's just observation. Like, trying to fill up that dead space. Um, I thought it was definitely better when it was in the ring, and there was a few decent bits, but overall, yeah, like you say, it was just a bit of a sort of a dull nothing. Yeah. After what they'd built up to be. Exactly. That's the thing. It was such a disappointment after the fantastic build they'd given it. Um, But, you know... It wasn't shit. There was there was good bits. I really like Moxley hitting the Death Rider but holding on into a guillotine. I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the finish was, you know, it was okay. You know, the chair shot by Moxley and then hitting the Death Rider onto the chair. But by this point, the match had gone over 30 minutes. And I don't know. I just, There wasn't a build-up to the finish. And I don't know whether... Mm-hmm. You know, you just you feed off the energy of a crowd, and I think once you go that fucking long, the WWE did it right at WrestleMania. Um, I think the one mistake they made was potentially Edge and Orton, which went far too long. Um, but you know, you need to, you know, you you've had so long to edit this match, do different things with the match. You could have done loads and loads of different stuff, loads of weapons, loads of different innovative holds. You know, Moxley is willing to put himself through fucking shit. So mm. you had the... And so, I just felt like nothing out of the ordinary happened considering the build it was given. And that it really, really disappointed me. And it sort of goes to show me that Hager's not really that good a worker. No, nah, he needs to be someone who's in either matches with other people or short matches. Um, if they ever do some like something like a battle royal, he's the perfect person to win a battle royal. 
because you just have to do a lot and you can come in later on. But yeah, these sort of half an hour matches really don't suit him because although he's a technically good wrestler, he's not, um, especially when you're up against somebody like Moxley, who is just basically a brawler. There's nothing really there that keeps your attention. It just becomes either holds or they're just throwing each other into the corner and doing elbows. That was literally it. Yeah. And knees. It's the first time that since since AEW have started doing these empty arena shows, it's the first time I've really felt the lack of an audience because I felt with with audience participation this would have gone up and I feel like the two would have put more into it, but it's difficult to gauge a match when there's nothing to work with but silence. And if, if JR wasn't there and he recorded his commentary in post, then that means there wasn't even... You can't even hear the commentator. So it is difficult to gauge, but I agree with you. I think of all the people to go 30 minutes in this promotion, it absolutely should not have been Hager. Um, mm-hmm. It would just... I don't know. I feel like you've had enough time to edit this match, enough time to sort this match, <coughs> to make it, I don't know, more interesting. To do different things, to try something a little bit crazy, and for all Moxley saying that he's crazy and a bit of a, a bit of a lunatic, it just it didn't feel that way. It was a bit of a player match, to what, be perfectly honest. What um would have been interesting if they were going to go? I mean, they're not going to do it, and this is why we should, I think we should have held up with this for <clears throat> until or if they are going to give Hagar the belt, but have him come down and just destroy Moxley. If Moxley, well. Like I say, it's not happening because Mox is going to keep that bell for a while. Yeah. But if it was that point, just have him come down, keep keep them apart, and have Hagar come down and just nullify Mox and just put him to sleep, tap him out. Or, on the other hand, have it where Hagar comes down, Moxie just goes out, gets a chair, smashes him, knocks him clean out, and just pins him. Have a really, really short, impactful match where... The, the, where they can then say, well, you did this or I didn't get a proper shot. I don't know. They just need to do something a bit more creative, I think. So basically, learn from what WCW did with Goldberg. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, just he's a monster. He's a legitimate threat. He looks physically so impressive. Just he doesn't, he doesn't need to go. 30 minutes and 45 seconds this match went. That's that's 15 minutes too long. When they announced that the match was taking place and I looked at my phone and I'd still got, you know, 45 minutes left of the bloody broadcast, it was like, fucking hell, how long's this match going? But nevertheless, it is what it is and obviously the show faded out with Moxley holding his belt aloft. Um, quick question. Obviously, we've got Double or Nothing announced. Double or Nothing, 23rd of May, and is obviously one of the crowning pay-per-views, one of the big pay-per-views of AEW. Looking at that roster now, imagining that you have got a full roster, who do you have Moxley take on in the main event? Bearing in mind that Cody is probably going to be in the TNT Championship match along with Archer. Yeah. So, with a full AEW roster, which you assume they're going to have, 
for the pay-per-view. You assume so. Yeah. If WWE can get Brock to Mania, then AEW should be able to get, you know, with the exception of, you know, people who will have travel restrictions. So, for example, the Lucha Brothers or, um, or Pac. Who do you see being that marquee match? Um, that's the thing. It's it's not going to be Omega because he's been there and done that. It's and he's the tag team Jericho champion. Yeah, he's not going to be Jericho because he's been there and done that. Hagar, I think, is not that level. He's maybe sort of up, up a mid card. The TNT belt oh, is perfect like, for Hager. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like maybe Hangman Page. If they drop the belts, um, I don't know. There's nobody. I'm trying to think of somebody who's at that level where nobody, because I think Mox is the best in that position at the minute. I mean, if we if we I look don't... briefly at the AEW roster at the moment, so mm-hmm. in the in the men's division. We have got, and I'll just go through, obviously, all the men, and you can just yes or no. Uh, you've got Adam Page. Um, that sort of depends on whether they drop the tag team belts. Um, yeah. You've got Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order, Angelico uh, of the Hybrid 2. Brody Lee is potential, but, you know. Yeah. I think if you do a Moxley versus Brody Lee match, you've got to give Brody Lee the title. Brody Lee has only just gone in, and I don't want to sound like one of those people, but if you put the title on Brody Lee, that's your first three champions are ex WWE guys. Is that really mm-hmm. what you want to do, or do you want to put put it on one of your own? Um, you've got Brandon Cutler, Chris Jericho, we've already mentioned Christopher Daniels, Chuck Taylor, Chima, Cody, Colt Cabana, Darby Allen. I mean, Darby Allen versus Moxley could potentially be great. Um, but is he is Darby Allen uh, like a poster boy? Well, not, not poster boy, but like a marquee name for hanging your company off. I think he could be. I don't think he is yet. I think he's one. I think he is one. In two years' time, he is the star of your company because he is ludicrously over. You've heard the crowd mm. reactions, but oh, yeah. whether he is the person at the moment, no, I don't think so. Um, who else we got? We've got Dustin Rhodes. Um, no, I, I don't see that. Honestly, I, like restrictions aside, I would love to see Pack at that have a shot. I think that, that is top- an option. Absolutely, mm-hmm. um, because look, you know, he's a big name, and I think you know you've got to have a heel because Moxley is you know a super face, um, and looking at the rest of the roster, he's pretty much beaten all of the heels. I mean, you're not going to have a take on Janella, and you know, and you can have people like Dustin Rhodes, like Janella, go for the title, but those are TV title defenses. They aren't, mm-hmm. you know a pay-per-view title defense, your biggest pay-per-view title defense. Um, Jungle Boy, Havoc, I mean, Matt Hardy. Do you eat... 
I wouldn't even have him to go for any belts. I wouldn't have him anywhere nah, near the title I scene. I don't think he needs to. I don't think I don't even think Jericho needs to anymore. Jericho did what he needed to do. So nah. I'll tell you who we did forget about, and I'll tell you who it might well be. MJF. Oh yeah. yeah I could see that. He'd be a really good heel. He'd be a fantastic heel. Um I don't think he'd win it, but he'd be a fantastic heel. He'd be a great heel. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there's literally no one else. There's <laughs> no one else at all. Until um, Rusev comes in. Until Rusev comes in, steals it. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting show because there's there's no way things will be back to normal by, by the 23rd of May. So it'll be interesting to see where AEW go, especially if they've got a condensed a condensed roster to work with. Anyway, Garth, overall opinion of the show. <clears throat> it was uh, one of the weakest, but I suppose you can sort of give them a buy, considering they probably only had like a third of the roster. Um, I think they did really well with the vignettes and the videos and the, the predictions and the stuff like that but the matches were bar the opening match was just they're just matches for the sake of having matches the main event didn't really ignite anything um, but it was just a, I, I, I mean if I was going to give it a, a mark I would say Mary's a 6 5 or a 6 it was just an average show yeah I mean I can't I can't really disagree with you mate to be perfectly honest Um it, it it struggled to hold my attention probably more than it should have done. Um, mm-hmm. But again, there was no... Aside from the title match, which, again, was a huge disappointment to me, there was no big name on this show. There was no Omega, there mm-hmm. was no Bucks, there was no Cody. Um, you know, Jericho was on commentary, so he wasn't in the actual, ma- you know, on the show, so to speak. When you say my main is Sean Spears defeating... <laughs> Creator wrestler Justin Law, um, <laughs> it does it doesn't bode well for your show, does it? Really, three squash matches um, is not good. Anyway, there ends our review of this week's episode of Dynamite. I hope you did enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can, of course, um, subscribe to our podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts leave us a five-star review if you can it would do us a huge favor thank you so much um you can find us on twitter at at podmania um, facebook at podmania podcast subscribe to the youtube channel and all that lovely stuff um you can talk to me on twitter at at real rob good not to think about my own twitter handle then it's getting mm-hmm. late garth um and where can they find you on twitter buddy uh, at garthamania uh, you can find Chris at somewhere. Um, I never remember his new Twitter handle. What the fuck is it? Um, and Bushy. There you go, with two M's. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.